Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live, where we're talking about today's digital revolution and with our guest today, some other revolutions that are taking place around the world, around the country, as we rethink how we move going forward, not just in the worlds of technology and other things, but how we think about ourselves, our roles, our communities, and each other. So very delighted, as always, to have Chris Lockhead, one of our monthly digital all-stars. Chris is a best-selling author, one of the top business podcasters in the world, serial entrepreneur, and a guy with some pretty powerful opinions on things. Chris, welcome back. We're always delighted to have you here at Cloud Wars Live. Dr. Evans, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, I will say, uh, usually we keep our pre-episode comments are, uh, are private and deeply secure, but you said today you're coming in hot. You've got some things on your mind, and uh, let's hear about those, Chris. And first, uh, I wanted to ask, too, at some point, be sure to tell us about the pod storm and what's coming up there. Yeah, I'd love to talk about the pod storm. It's been uh, way more work than I thought. 30 podcasts in 30 days sounded like a great idea 28 days ago or whatever, 24 days ago or whatever it was. And uh, from now on, we'll be doing three-day pod storms, not 30-day pod storms. <laughs> so you're going to be doing a podcast three days long, three full days of a single three show. Three full days. Wow. It'll be, like, um, it'll be like the Jerry Lewis telethon. Remember that? <laughs> I'm going to – no, I, I, don't, I don't want the world record for the longest podcast. It just makes you the biggest blowhard in history. <laughs> <laughs> well, I but maybe, with- I'm, maybe I'm going for that. I don't know. I'd stick with you for a day and a half, maybe two. I think even after that, even somebody of your gifts and abilities might get a little, uh, you know, out of touch there. But, but Chris, on a slightly the, serious note, I yeah. do think that in times of crisis, it behooves those of us who can make a difference to try to make a difference. And of course, one of the things that we can all make a difference in is we have different areas of expertise. And if we contribute those areas of expertise, maybe it'll help. And so the thinking with the pod storm was I sort of woke up and went, hey, there's a crisis. It's the greatest recession since the fucking Great Recession and the, the Great Recession before that. And so um, I know a little bit about marketing, a little bit about manufacturing revenue. So we decided to do this thing we call the 30-day pod storm, a uh, pod storm with, with 30 days of marketing ideas and strategies to help you, um, as I like to say, up the downturn. Um, so, so we've been doing that, and, and it's, been, um, it's been incredibly fun and incredibly rewarding. Great. Well, uh, <clears throat> Chris, it sounds like uh, you know, you're pushing the boundaries of things, both in your thinking about marketing, the, the pod storm. Uh, it's nice to look back after either 24, 28 days, whatever it's been, and you'll check out a calendar. It's, it's, so it's either two or six more left, but you'll work that out. But along yeah. the way, too, I think um, you know, it's been interesting seeing some of your observations about stuff in general, but where you live and some of the things you've been through yourself deeply personally in the last year really reflect uh, powerfully on what's been going on in the world in the last 10 days or so. So yes. Chris, what, you, you had some strong thoughts on that. Yes, I would like to talk, Bob, if we could, about um, uh, violence, justice, uh, Black Lives Matter, um, and this topic that's now becoming a huge topic, defund the police. So here's, what, here's what's been going on around here. Um, as you well know, I live in Santa Cruz, California. And um, 
last Saturday at approximately 2.20, there was a 911 call in Santa Cruz. There was a maniac running around a, uh, a more remote uh, wooded area, uh, a small kind of a mountain, in the, uh, foothills, a, a town in the mountains, in the foothills of the Santa Cruz Mountains. There was a maniac who was spotted with a white van full of uh, automatic weapons, AR-15s, homemade pipe bombs, and a whole bunch of other evil shit. So they called 911. Somebody called 911. And the first thing I want to say is, and I'll, we'll get back to this later, what do you want to have happen when you call 911? Because here's what happened last Saturday in Santa Cruz. The Sheriff's Department, the Police Department, CHP showed up. And the two deputies that got there first were greeted by a maniac who opened fire on them with an AR-15 when they pulled into a, his driveway to go see what was going on. One of them was severely injured. And the other one, a 38-year-old sergeant named da Damon Gertzwiller, who has a young child, a wife, and his wife is pregnant with their next child. And this maniac killed Damon. And then literally hundreds of peacekeepers from neighboring areas as well as from Santa Cruz showed up, swarmed this area, an extraordinary, an extraordinary good Samaritan, what some of us call a sheepdog, spotted this guy. You wanna know what happened? Here's what happened. The guy shows up, the psycho shows up in this sheepdog's sheep, sheep backyard. And he's got the AR on him. At this point, best to best of our knowledge, he's already killed Sergeant Gertzwiller and, uh, and wounded two other police officers. He's got the AR on him. He shows up in this guy's backyard and he says, I want your keys. So the guy says, okay, goes in the house, gets him his car keys, hands them to him. The maniac turns around to go to the guy's car. The guy jumps him from behind, gets him on the ground, gets the AR-15 away from him. Then the maniac pulls out a pipe bomb and tries to detonate it while they're fighting. The sheepdog gets the pipe bomb away from the maniac. Then the maniac pulls out a pistol that he had in his pants, a concealed carry, tries to shoot the sheepdog to death, tries to murder him after he tried to murder him with the pipe bomb. The sheepdog gets the pistol away from the maniac. Two other neighbors show up, one of them with a dog. They pin the maniac to the ground. Another gal shows up. She dials 911. She's yelling. She knows there's sheriff's deputies and law enforcement around, and they come and they get the maniac. So that's what happened on Saturday. Here's what happened on Sunday. On Sunday, at about 2.20, the time the 911 call came in, about 1,000 people or more showed up for a vigil at the Santa Cruz County Sheriff's Office. 
and we got to listen to Sheriff Jim Hart talk about how he's known demons since he was 18 years old. And as he's talking, standing next to him, Bob, are his wife and his child, and his wife is pregnant. So on Sunday in Santa Cruz, we had a vigil for the sergeant. Also, as a side note, um, Sheriff Hart said it was evidence of the silent majority who supports the police. The original GoFundMe for Damon had a goal of two hundred of, of uh, fifty grand. Um, right now, I believe it's hit three hundred and fifty grand. And make no mistake. A whole bunch of us threw down. So on Sunday in Santa Cruz, we went to the vigil and we cried for Sergeant Gertzweiler with our community and our sheriff and our sheriff's department. That was at 2.20. At six o'clock, hundreds, I think it was probably over a thousand people did what surfers do when we want to mourn the loss of somebody we care about, we do this thing called a paddle out. It's like a funeral service in the sea, in the water. And the paddle out at six o'clock on Sunday was organized by the NAACP and it was for George Floyd. And there have been countless paddle outs all around the world. There are websites that list all the dates and times and they've been up and down the West and East Coast and in lots of other countries. So surfers, who of course didn't know George, have been paddling out and that's what we did. And we all sat together and we screamed Black Lives Matter and we screamed George Floyd and we screamed no justice, no peace. And so here's the point and here's my big concern. The point is on the same day in Santa Cruz, many, many people came together and mourned the loss of Damon and mourned the loss of George and called for justice for both of them. And those two things not only are not mutually exclusive, they are the same things. And the problem I believe we have in our country right now, Bob, is there are many who would seek to divide us. There are many who would seek to make this an us versus them discussion. Well, this is us versus them. And in my opinion, it's only one us versus them. This is a simple conversation about good and evil. And there's evil of every color. And there's good of every color. And so that's the aha. This is not about um, black versus blue or white or any of that. This is about good people standing up for what is fucking obviously right. For what is just. We need we need change in America. America is a legendary country and we need to keep growing. We need to honor our founding documents and read those fucking things. I'm a naturalized American. I've read the docs. I know what they say. 
They talk about justice. They talk about happiness. They talk about equality. So let's make those things true. Are there problems in our police? In some cases, there are. Do we need to do something about that? Absolutely, we do. Can we, like Sheriff Jim Hart of Santa Cruz, make a statement where he says the most important thing right now is Black Lives Matter? And he goes on to talk about what we need to do to make sure that bad cops are gone. There are bad cops. We need to get on it. There's no question about that. And there is racism and we need to get on it. And everybody who's on the right side of this needs to stand. And that's what we're doing. And that is inspiring. And my point in all of this is the demand for justice for Damon and justice for George is the same thing. It's a demand for good versus evil, for justice, for the unjust. And of course, there's a serious conversation we all need to have about race in this country. And we need to have it. And it's great that we're having it. And things need to change. And you can stand for justice for George and justice for Damon at the same time. Now, I also want to talk about how this connects to this defund the police business. And if you could, if you, if you don't mind indulging me in a personal story. Last year on October 1st at 3 a.m., three men broke into one of my best friend's house, a guy that lives a few blocks from me, attacked him, tried to rob him, kidnapped him, and murdered him. Those three men are white. My friend was brown, his words, not mine. So for the last eight months, Bob, and by the way, well, I'll get to this in a second. For the last eight months, we have had a front row seat to a um, massive, complex, thorough, rigorous, urgent, multi-agency police investigation. Murders like this don't happen around here. And they sure as fuck aren't supposed to happen. And I'll tell you, been the hardest eight months of my life. The morning he was attacked, I got a phone call at 5 a.m. saying something was wrong. And I immediately went running over to his house to be greeted by a deputy who was there and started to talk to the detectives. Shortly after we found out what was really going on and the thing played out, they found my friend murdered. We got to meet with Sheriff Jim Hart. And I'll tell you, that's a meeting you never want to have sitting there with his family. And the sheriff tells you, he's here with us. Now, I know what you don't want to hear in that moment. Because in that moment, Bob, you have one fucking question. Which is, are we going to get these fuckers? 
And in that moment in my life eight months ago, Sheriff Jim Hart of the Santa Cruz County Sheriff's Department with the team that would investigate my brother's murder said to me, his sister, and his elderly parents, we will spare no expense and we will not rest until we catch him. And Bob Evans, Sheriff Jim Hart is a man of his word. They fought for 231 days to catch that evil. And I know they did. Hours, over 3,000 hours of police work. And when they found out it was four evil fucks who did it, each of them were in a different location. And the courageous women and men of multiple peacekeeping organizations worked for weeks to track their asses and simultaneously take them down without incident. 231 days. And now that evil sits in the Santa Cruz County Jail. So there's a couple of key learnings here. The first one is when you dial 911, what do you want to have happen? When your brother is murdered, do you want the sheriff to say to you, hey, listen, you know, we've been ongoing some budget cuts and there's, there's been this massive thing called defund the police and um, we don't have the resources to, uh, to do this. People need to get the fucking facts, Bob. And here are the facts. 40%, 40%, four out of 10 murders in the United States of America today with our quote unquote overly funded police go unsolved. In the last eight months, I have met other people who've had loved ones taken from them in heinous ways. Some of whom waited 25, I talked to a gal who waited 25 years for fucking justice. And four out of 10 people never get it. Point A, point B, two thirds of rapes in the United States of America with our overly funded police go unsolved. Now, I've never had a loved one raped, but I have had one brutally murdered. And I don't think you want to hear we don't have the money to solve your loved one's rape or your rape because we just got fucking defunded. Now, I'm not saying we don't need police change. We do. And extraordinary leaders like Jim Hart are talking about that change and have been talking about that change for years. They implemented a whole series of changes in the Santa Cruz area years ago, new training, all sorts of stuff. That's important. We need to talk about that. There is police brutality and there is bias towards black people and we need to get that fucking fixed. It's terrible. We need to get on it. We can't have bad cops. And that's not me saying that. That's Jim Hart saying that. And you know what? A picture of police chief Andy Mills with mayor of Santa Cruz, Justin Cummings, was the viral picture that went 
all over the world because the two of them took a knee during the Santa Cruz Black Lives Matter demonstrations. Point A, point B, Mayor Cummings is a black guy and Chief Mills is a white guy. This is about good and evil. So I say it's possible to stand for justice for George, to stand for equality and a breakthrough in racism and stand for good cops. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. There are a lot of good cops. I fucking know them. They cried with us. They comforted us. They were extraordinarily kind to us. They worked like he was their brother and they did it, they got it done. And Bob, Sheriff Hart's a white guy. My brother was a brown guy. Guess how much racism we experienced in the 231 days they fought for justice for our brother who was taken. Fucking zero. So listen, I understand there are problems. There are police forces that have problems and those problems need to get fixed. And there's some massive injustices that need to get on. I am not in any way, shape or form denying any of that. And there are many legendary cops I know. Now listen, on the defund the cop stuff, That's a very harmful and dangerous statement, defund the police. Now, if you wanna have a thoughtful conversation about community design, I'm all for it, Bob. You wanna talk about what the role of government should be. You wanna talk about what the role of the cops should be. You wanna talk about that the cops have been sort of jammed into doing uh, too many social service things or other things that maybe the cops shouldn't be, all day long, let's talk about that. I think, as we talked about before, we are in a cocoon time. I think there's a massive awakening going on that started with C-19 and we stacked a fucking depression on top of that. And now we're stacking a massive, massive drive for social change that needs to happen. We're in a cocoon time. The future does not create itself. America is an idea. It's not an is. America gets created every day when you and I wake up. It's not a thing. It only lives in our actions, our behaviors, our speaking. America is an idea. There are no fucking borders. It's all made up. Everything's made up. It's an invention. Now, do we believe in those ideals? Do we believe in those founding documents? Do, do we believe in equality for all? Then we need to fight for it. And if there's inequality, we need to go get it wherever it is, whether it's in business or in the police department or in government or in social organizations or wherever it is, or frankly, whether it's in ourselves. People have unknown bias, myself included. When my brother was murdered, and they posted after they caught the evil and they posted the photos of the four evil. 
their ages, two of them are 22, one of them's 19, and one of them's 23, and they're all white. And people online, Bob said stuff like, they don't look like killers. Oh, really? They look like fucking maniacs to me. They don't look like killers is a fucking racist statement. You might not realize that you're being racist. And I'm not putting myself above anybody, Bob. I'm sure I've said and done things. I know I've said and done things that today I wouldn't have said and done. I also know I'm not a racist. There's a difference between being insensitive and being a racist. And at best, they don't look like killers is insensitive. And it's bordering on, if not racist, what do killers look like? You felt better if they were black or brown and had fucking face tattoos, you fucking piece of shit. This is an evil conversation versus good conversation. And I believe now is the time for us to stand up. Now is the time for us to create the America of our choosing. The future doesn't happen by itself. And we need to stop saying defund the police. My response is defund the KKK. That's the problem. Hate, evil, racism. Now, if we want to have a thoughtful conversation about community design, the role of the police, the role of our hospitals, the role of faith-based um, organizations, let's have that conversation. Is now an incredible time for us to get real powerful about community design? Yes, it is. What's the world we want to live in? What's the neighborhood we want to live in? Most Americans don't even know their fucking neighbors. Is that a problem? I think it is. Most of us are completely disconnected. Is that a problem? I think it is. Most people don't go to a farmer's market. That's a problem, right? We need to connect to each other. We need to build a shared sense of ethos that has been lost by, by people who would divide us. When in point of fact, the vast majority of Americans believe in, if not the same thing, very similar things. And so now's the time to stand up. But we cannot be stupid and we cannot be reckless. We have to be precise. This is a time of change and transformation. This is a time of pres pre pre preserving what makes America legendary while taking it forward at the same time. Those things are not mutually exclusive. And it is about having a rigorous social conversation about the roles of the police, and what kind of communities we want to live in, where we want to spend our tax dollar. That's all incredibly healthy. What's not healthy is dividing us. What's not healthy is defund the police. And here's the aha. There's a difference between standing for something and standing against something. The reason Black Lives Matter has become a mantra, the reason surfers in Santa Cruz can paddle out of every color and can have a young blonde white woman with a megaphone screaming Black Lives Matter to lead the chant is because it is positive, it's empowering, it's true. Most importantly, it is for something. And dare I say it has become inclusive because it is now 
okay for non-black people to say black lives matter. And I don't know that it wasn't okay before, but it sure as fuck is okay now. And that's cool. But it's for something. Defund the police is against something. It's negative. Notice we don't say defund white people. And so negative movements produce negative results. And what we're seeing with Black Lives Matter is positive results. If we're going to extend the conversation to, to what's the role of police in our world, then we need to take a positive position while calling out the negative, just as Black Lives Matter has done. We can have an awakening about police violence just like we've had an awakening about the treatment of people of color. And we can stand for a different future as opposed to make it us versus them. And so, Bob, my hope right now is that people understand that last Sunday in Santa Cruz, there were a lot of tears cried. And there were tears cried for Damon and there were tears cried for George and all of them, every single last one of them was colorless. Well, Christopher, thank you for sharing those ideas and perspectives on some arguably, you know, the most important things going on in our world today. And I know from uh, something that you had written recently, I just wanted to ask you to talk about a related issue a little bit. You said in your post recently that words matter. I know you've seriously talked about that over the last few minutes, but uh, it's sort of like, you know, this emotional peak everybody hits where so much of what's gone on over the last several days have been driven by emotion, understandably so, appropriately so. But then, as you talk about this cocoon state the country's in, and as we emerge, what will that after be? In addition to the emotional impact that a lot of this has, what's then is the intellectual side of it, and how do we use words in the right way to get these points across? Yeah, and this is why um, we have to be super thoughtful here. Language creates thinking that's why it was invented the invention of language is primarily for the purpose of me sharing with you shit that i'm thinking and you being able to do the same and us being able to connect and communicate and so forth so language creates thinking and a demarcation point in language creates a demarcation point in thinking which creates a demarcation point in action Simple example, change in language that was powerful and helpful. Um, when I was young, the people who lived on the street were called winos and bums. And today we call them homeless people. Language sets a context. It's easy to treat a wino poorly. It's less easy to treat a homeless person poorly. That's, that's category design at the social level. 
And the problem with words like defund the police is there are fucking idiots who take it literally. And if you want to literally live in a place with no cops, have at it. I don't know, maybe do a deal with Nevada. You can have some spot out in the desert where the UFOs used to land or something like that. And you can create your own fantasy, fuck dumb society out there with no cops. And let us know how it turns out when the evil shows up at your house at 3 a.m. You idiots. Idiots. Five years ago, my mother was here visiting. There was a maniac running around our neighborhood with a handgun, stealing iPhones and trying to hijack carjack cars. We called 911. You know what happened? They fucking caught him. Girl brain. I, I listened last night in preparation for today's discussion, Bob. I listened to a recent episode of Trevor Noah's Daily Show, and he had on a, a Zoom panel of defund the cops people. And he asked all of them, well, what, what do we replace them with? None of them fucking said anything. It was a bunch of pablomatic, airy-fairy bullshit. Oh, we're going to hang out with unicorns and fairies, and we're going to create this whole future, and everybody will just be nice, and we'll just share everything. And all. Yeah, well, that's fucking great. Go live at Burning Man. And maybe it would be wonderful if Burning Man existed forever. I don't know. I'm not a huge Burning Man guy, but whatever turns you on. But I'm here to tell you something. That fucking evil has been breathing down my face for eight months because four evil fuck white people killed my brown brother. And I would not have been able to catch him myself. So grow a brain. Words matter. The words around Black Lives Matter have been very powerful and inspiring. And the amazing thing that has happened since the horrible murder of George Floyd is the mobilization and the, the unity that has come from it. And the fact that people of color have completely welcomed Caucasians into the conversation. That's powerful. That's unity. That's us coming together to design the future of America that we want to have happen. And if you're a good person, you stand for equal treatment. You stand for the end of brutality and violence. And if you don't, grow a fucking brain. But that's not black or white or brown or green or purple or orange or any other fucking thing. Tears are fucking colorless. When I talk to my brother's mother on the phone, she does not cry brown tears. And the white cops who cried with us didn't cry white tears either. So this is us versus them. It's called good versus evil. It's called people who stand for something positive, something different that builds on our founding principles. That's what this is about. And anybody who would try to uh, divide us can go fuck themselves. Because I never considered my brother brown. And anybody who's ever sat down for 10 minutes with somebody of a different background than them 
to have a coffee or a beer or hopefully a scotch and talk to him about life realizes instantaneously we're all the fucking same. I've traveled 6 million miles on a plane in my life. I've had a lot of scotches with a lot of people who look a lot different than me of every religion you want to talk about. Okay. The, those differences melt away instantaneously when you sit down and have a human to human conversation. We all want to live in a world where we are measured and judged by our character, our actions, our words, and our results alone. We want a true meritocracy. We want true equal opportunity. That's what we want. That's what the vast majority of people in America want. And I think that's what the vast majority of the people fucking the world want. But what are we talking about here? All this dividing language. And I think the vast majority of Americans are right there. And Jim Hart, our sheriff, talked about the silent majority. I think it's time for the silent majority not to be silent anymore, to say we can stand for George and we can stand for Damon at the same time because it's the same thing. Chris, you mentioned a character there a few minutes ago, and um, one of my favorite lines from Martin Luther King is when he says that a man dies when he refuses to stand up for justice, and a man dies when he refuses to stand up for that which is right. And I think part of what you're saying is, especially when you discuss this silent majority that Sheriff Hart described, that it's it's a good thing, it's appropriate to feel bad about the nightmares and the murder of George Floyd. But I think that what Dr. King said so importantly, he says, you know, you begin to die when you don't stand up for that. It's, it's good, it's okay, it's appropriate to feel bad, but this is the time to stand up. And you've talked about design the future, build the future, create the future. I think that silent majority needs to shake off the silence we need to stand up and, uh, you know, get behind this with our actions, not just with our sense of contrition or shame or anxiety about it. Well, and, and frankly, points about words matter. These things matter. Let's talk about how, what should the community look like in, in the future? Chris, really good, powerful stuff. And let's, let's not be so goddamn, look, you know, part of me also says, um, defund the Democrats and defund the Republicans. We should be arguing thoughtfully about ideas, not fighting like fucking morons with sides. Look, are there things I think the Republicans are terrible and borderline psychopathic and maybe even evil about? Yes. Same thing with Democrats. The 10% on either side have lost their minds on the extremes of either side. But I think that's not the vast majority of Americans. I think the vast majority of Americans believe very similar things, if not identical things. And look, we might want to argue about how we get to some of the outcomes. So you say, okay, well, do we want to be a benevolent country that welcomes immigrants who are refugees who need help? Do we want to attract um, immigrants who can come here and make a contribution and help build our country? 
as I was welcomed to do that here? Yes, we do. Do we wanna have policies that allow us to be benevolent towards people who really need to come here, who are oppressed? And do we need policies that attract the right kind of thinkers and creators and scientists and doctors and nurses and, 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 and entrepreneurs and innovators of all kinds to come and plant their flag in the United States so they can make legendary contributions here? Yes, we do. And at the same time, hey, listen, we got to have a fucking border, right? We, we got to decide who gets to come and who doesn't. Otherwise, we don't have a country. And, and we can't, we, we got, and we got to have strong borders. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. How do we get there? I don't know. Is, and is the, do the details matter? They do. But the thing that we've lost, Bob, and I, I just use immigration as an example. You can pick anything you want, abortion, guns, energy, whatever the fuck you want to talk about. There's this guy named Buster uh, uh, Benson who we had on my podcast a while ago who wrote a book called Why Are We Yelling? Look, you and I have known each other for what? 20 something years. And like all my friends, you and I have some things politically and socially we're virtually a hundred percent overlap on. And then we have some things where there's some overlap, but there's some big areas where we're different. And we probably have a couple things where we don't see eye to eye at all. Who gives a fuck? The longer I've been around Bob, the more I'm focused on, okay, your political ideology. Okay, fine. We can talk about that. It's probably an important discussion, but here's what I'm much more interested in. Are you a good person? What are your core values? What are your actions? What are your track records of behaviors and results? I have people that I love with everything I am who vote completely differently from me and I can't understand it. And I don't give a shit that I don't understand it because I know who they are and they know who I am and that doesn't matter to us and we've decided it doesn't matter and it shouldn't matter to any of us. If you have, you know, if you tilt one way on immigration and I tilt the other, okay, let's argue about the details and the implementation together as we create the America that we want. But let's not forget that we probably agree on the key principles around, and again, I use it as an example, around immigration. What kind of communities do we want? I think we probably agree. Do we want strong hospitals? Yes, we do. Do we want strong community organizations? Yes, we do. Do we want strong faith-based organizations? Yes, we do. Do we want strong, small entrepreneurs who make us unbelievable meals and take care of us in wonderful ways and you know make awesome pizza and shit and our wonderful gyms to go work out in and wonderful small uh, uh, daycares for our children run by people who authentically give a shit about kids and who are incredible, incredible folks and on and on and on. Yes. So let's talk about what are the communities that we want. Do we want it to be okay for our, 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 our 13 year old girls to walk down the street at nine o'clock at night alone and not have fear? Do we want it to be okay to be in our own home at 3 a.m. on a fucking Monday night? and not have to worry about four maniacs breaking in and trying to rob you and kill you. So I think we can agree on a lot. The principles are there. And so let's get onto the design and listen, if we're gonna argue and look, we might even yell a little, I'm okay with yelling, but let's not forget 
when you and I talk about politics, when you and I talk about social things, you and I do a pretty good job, I think, Bob, of trying to stay on things that we agree on. And when we get to areas we disagree on, we do it respectfully. And we also realize that in a conversation where people disagree, if we take a right wrong position, we're idiots. Because if you haven't changed your mind lately, how do you know you have one? And we all have positions today that are different than positions we had years ago. So we all quote evolve. It's called fucking thinking, you dumb fuck. If you've thought the same thing since you were 20 and you're 45, you're a moron on any issue. And so there are things that I look back on and go, hmm, I had this position 15 years ago, kind of don't really agree with myself on that anymore. And we have to be big enough to say, you know what? After more life experience and thinking and talking to people and traveling and so forth and so on. Um, well, I understand why I had that belief in the past. Um, I've, I've become more educated and more open. I think other folks had this better than I did. And, um, and so I've, I've, I've changed my position. You haven't done that in your life? So what the, why the fuck are we yelling at each other? Enough. It's time for unity. It's time to create the future of our choosing. We can demand justice for George Floyd and for Damon Gertzwiller at the same time. Hey, Chris, let me, uh, let me ask you, please, to, to wrap up here with a, a one more personal story. And I know of the, uh, yeah, it's been over 20 years we've known each other. And of course, you've done most of the talking. Um, so, <laughs> but one of my favorite stories, one of my favorite Chris Lockhead stories was uh, that day you traveled from, you know, your home in the Bay Area up to Sacramento for, uh, to be sworn in as United States citizen. And I think at the time you had traveled probably 5 million of those 6 million that you've logged around the world, maybe closer to six. You had achieved everything in your business career you could have wanted. You didn't need to become an American citizen. You wanted to become an American citizen. And I remember as you described that setting up there, it was about as emotional as, you know, you've been at some points today, but in a different way. Could you just, you know, again, this, this belief in America, what it could be, what it needs to be what it can be where it's evolving to and being welcoming to people from all over the world so you're an immigrant what was that like up there that day because i think you said there were at the day of your swearing in ceremony probably like a lot of other days there was there were people from more than 100 countries maybe it was more than 150 that day and the looks on their face it, it was just you know an extraordinary story that you told yeah so imagine sitting in an auditorium uh, in this case, in Sacramento, California, downtown. And I don't remember the exact number, Bob, but uh, somewhere between 1,800 and 2,200 people, probably somewhere around that, that level. And there's a stage uh, and there's speakers up on that stage and the auditorium is, is pretty packed. Um, and at this stage of the game, of course, we all know that um, we are going to become Americans. We've been approved. We've gone through the cycle. We've been interviewed. We've done all that stuff, which in of itself is a fascinating experience. Um, but then you're, staring, you're sitting there on that day, the day that it becomes official, and it's a shared experience. And imagine looking around this room 
and seeing a cornucopia of color, a cornucopia of race, age, every uh, distinction between human beings you could imagine, a rainbow of people. And look, I'm an immigrant from Canada. I was not running from the oppression in Canada. Canada is an amazing country. I'm very proud of Canada. I'm very proud of being Canadian. Um, I, uh, I have Canadian parents. <laughs> and Canada is an unbelievable country. And so I wasn't running from oppression of any kind or any sort of a horrible situation. But what I was chasing was what many people hopefully still call the American dream. And in my case, my dream was to be an executive and an entrepreneur in the technology industry and to play uh, at the highest levels in my chosen field. And just like um, country singers move to Nashville and actors move to Hollywood, if you wanna be a big ding dong in the tech space, you move to Silicon Valley. Now you don't have to, of course, but and you can write songs from your house in Ohio if you want, but you understand my point. And so um, as I sat there that day, I realized how lucky am I? Because even though I come from a privileged country in Canada, the opportunity to do what I wanted to do in the tech space pretty much didn't exist in Canada, certainly not at the level I wanted to play at. Much more importantly than my own personal situation was the situation of everybody else there, or the vast majority of people there. There were many refugees there, Bob. There were many people who were politically, socially, uh, physically, threatened and oppressed who came there. There are many people who worked huge number of years to try to get here. And the amount of crying in the room as we all pledged the Pledge of Allegiance, and we all promised to defend the Constitution of the United States, just like a general does against all evil, internal and external. You make that promise when you become an American. You don't have to make that promise when you get born an American, but you sure as fuck do when you become an American. You have to promise to stand for our flag and our constitution and the values that, that we say are self-evident. When you stand there and do that and you make that commitment in a room full of, let's just call it 2,000 people who are crying, overcome by the joy overcome by how lucky they feel to finally become an American, to choose this because the United States was your best and in some cases only option at a chance for opportunity, at a chance for freedom, at a chance for equality. That's the promise, that's the vision that is the United States. And sometimes, sometimes we fall down executing against that commitment, but that's our commitment. And that was one of the most powerful days of my life. And my wish, Bob, is that every American had to make that same choice. Because as Sebastian Younger, the great war correspondent said, by the way, his book, Tribe, should be must-reading for everybody in this country. Um, America is a country that gives to its people 
an extraordinary amount and asks nothing in return. And I think that's a problem. I agree with Sebastian. When you become an, an American, you have a discussion with people. You have a discussion, in my case, with an immigration officer on what does it mean to be a citizen. Citizenry is a word you don't hear anymore. And what's very clear, or certainly was to me when I became an American, was there's a responsibility with getting to become a citizen. They want you to go forward and be a good person. They want you to go forward and make a contribution to add more than you take, to give more than you receive, because you have been given a gift called, I now get to be an American. And that's a gift that tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people would, would and sometimes do die for. You think the people in Syria right now wish they could be Americans? Fuck yeah, they do. And so I think it's a shame, and dare I say even disgraceful, that some people don't take their American citizenship seriously. If you want justice for George Floyd, get out there and be a citizen, take a stand. If you cry with me on the same day for two fallen heroes who were both taken by pure evil, then we have to stand up against that. I sent Sheriff Hart a note saying, we will stand with you forever. The real leaders in our country need our support right now. And most importantly, we need more real leaders. One of my favorite expressions, Bob, too many causes without a rebel. Let's have some more rebellion, peaceful rebellion, please. You're either against violence or you're for violence. It's serious. It's, it's this very simple fucking conversation. And there's a very big difference between a peaceful protester and a fucking rioter and a looter. I find it highly ironic that some of these people saying defund the police are the ones begging for the cops to protect their small businesses as people who say they're standing for George Floyd crash the front doors of small businesses that have been massively crushed by this incredible depression. So let me understand this. After 12, 15 weeks, whatever it's been, where they've not been able to open and do business, and now we're trying to come back, and we're trying to do it in a way that is thoughtful and caring and responsible as it relates to spreading this fucking disease so that we don't fucking kill more of our people, but at the same time, we move our economy forward. There's a hard thing we're trying to get done. There's been massive pain and suffering economically, as well as a horrible loss of life and a tremendous amount of sickness. We're trying to figure this thing out until we get to a place where we have a vaccine and we have cures and so forth. And what's the response? These evil rioters destroy the businesses that are on the verge of coming back, making it all worse all over. That's not justice for anybody. That's bullshit. Stealing TVs from Target. You know how many people Target employs? That's a good fucking company. Walmart is an essential service, you dumb fucks. It's one of the things we just learned, isn't it? And now we're crashing into them. Give your head a shake. And so I think it's very, very simple. This is about good versus evil. You're either a good person or you're an evil person.
that good people are standing together for something positive to create the America of our choosing and frankly, the world of our choosing. Well, beautifully said, brother. And if I may, uh, you know, wrap here with the, you know, mild paraphrase of Dr. King, it'd be an American dies when he or she refuses to stand up for justice and refuses to stand up for that, which is right. Christopher, thank you for sharing, you know, some deeply heartfelt ideas, emotions, perspectives on things. Great stuff. Love you. Good leadership. Let's get through this thing. Uh, build a better America. The future needs you, right? The future needs you. It needs you and me, and it needs everybody to take their citizenship seriously and to stand together and find the places where we agree and the places we don't. Let's have a thoughtful dialogue about it because the reality is most of us want identical things. Thank you, Christopher. Great, great stuff. Thank you, Bob. I love you. Love you too, buddy. And thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. We look forward to seeing you next time.